Eric'sGold.com. I am your host for this episode, Eric Skull, and I'm here to introduce the rest of the hosts. Actually, I'll leave it in their capable hands. You guys are more, more than capable of introducing yourselves. Who wants to go next? <laughs> Zach, you spoke. It's yours, baby. Uh, hi, I'm Zach. I'm uh, my friend of the little people, and by that I mean the Hobbits, which is a totally different series. Next person. No, maybe you should elaborate that on a little bit more. So you like hobbits and, and little mm-hmm. people that are hobbits, but not imps. Imps is not your thing? Yeah, you know, see, that's the thing. The thing about hobbits is they have really, really uh, particular feet. They have very – they're useful. Very they have particular for, for travel, feet, right? Yeah. Well, not only that, their soles are very leathery. They can hop across things like rocks and other sort of obstacles, and I think that that's really useful. You know, imps have to have special shoes tailored for their feet. Some would say cobbled for their feet, and I think that that's – you know, extra money that you don't need to spend. But if you're a Lannister, you can afford it, so it's okay. That's true. I guess uh, Tyrion never really needed to um, worry about that kind of thing. Not at all. Uh, next, <laughs> Micah. Yeah, well, thanks for that intro, Eric. Um, <laughs> that, no no mystery as to, uh, to who I am now. Uh, I'm Micah. Uh, did another podcast called MuggleCast with uh, Eric and... Uh, I don't really know what to say about imps. I'm kind of uh, stumped here for a second. No pun intended. I started this impartial imp discussion this early in the show. Um, I heard a girl's voice. Uh, yes, let's go. Terrence? Show. Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. No, no, okay. Which, which one of you two? There are two remaining. Two, two that we have not introduced One yet. of us is a girl. Yes. Maybe that's, we should just leave it at that and make it a mystery, you know? <laughs> I think that's a great idea, actually. Uh-huh. She's from Sweden, so... Well, um, I guess I'll go next. I am uh, I'm your hypeable.com representative, Selena. And um, I may or may not be a girl. And I think... <laughs> Selena's also from Sweden, if anyone was I, wondering. Right. Yeah. Right. It just she's, happened that way. I don't know. She's Swedish. She's mm-hmm. Swedish. <laughs> like the fish. Swedish fish. Mm, delicious and red. Those, yes. Are they cherry, and, though? They're red, but they aren't... Are they, cherry? Not, they are not cherry. I really they're should from know cherry. that, but I don't know. But they're not Are strawberry they? either. Eric, they're fish flip. <laughs> let the sweet let the Swede talk. Sorry, sweet. Go on. Also from Sweden are pine trees and Astrid Lindgren books. One of those and things was Stockholm true. syndrome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also part and of food, for all, Yeah. And for all your other Sweden knowledge, you know, that's what I'm here for. Do you remember yeah. when we were doing the uh, sort of the pregame uh, discussion of Game of Owns weeks ago when we were on that website? We were looking up all those Swedish curse words. I know. Yes. Well, if you guys are listening to the show and you would like to see said curse words, please refer to the show notes that we'll have uh, strategically placed below this audio player. And you will enjoy that as well. And last but not least, uh, we have one more host on this call who has yet to introduce himself. That's correct. Thanks, Eric. Um, no, my name is Terrence Pinkston. Um, you guys might know me from other podcasts. Um, I feel like that was a Troy McClure reference. I have hosted a couple of other podcasts that you guys might know uh, across the internet, but, uh, really excited to be here with Game of Owns. I post news for Game of Owns, so if you guys want to go to our site and check that out, that's pretty much it. That's me in a nutshell. I post news, go to school, and I work. So the reason we're all here is because this show, or this book series, or both, have really profoundly moved us, or we like them. We like watching them. We very much enjoy people killing each other in the way that so often happens. Uh, so, so <laughs> any of you guys want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, from this podcast, you can expect um, pretty much a weekly discussion on each of the new episodes as the Series 2 begins uh, next week in the U.S., and we'll be discussing each of the episodes, what we thought about it, that kind of thing. This first episode is really just sort of a an overall, you know, review of the first season, kind of explaining who we are and uh, more of what you can expect, uh, you know, on this podcast will be evident in the uh, later episodes as we get into sort of a w- more regular week. Well said. Well said. Well, Thank well, you. well winged. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I have not read the Song of Ice and Fire book. Um, series any of them um but i know some of us have so let's go around the table kind of who has read if not you know one book all of the books where are we at you know in terms of reading mm-hmm. or do we just like me um big fan of the tv show and i'd like to kind of keep it just to that i think time wise 
me and the TV show are going to get along, but the books maybe not so much. So, uh, Micah? Yeah, I mean, I've read through A Dance with Dragons, which is the fifth book in the series. So um, I guess I'm a little bit further ahead than probably a lot of people that are on the panel right now as far as where the story is at. But I really think that they did a great job with the first season in terms of staying loyal to the book. And I think a lot of that had to do with George R.R. R. Martin being a part of the crew. And I think that if they continue to do that moving forward, not to say that you don't have to read the books, but I think they do a good enough job that uh, you're not really missing much of anything uh, by watching the show. So that's comforting. So you're saying I can watch the show and not feel like I'm missing huge, huge plot you know, points and character moments. No, I mean, I don't really think that there was anything that was out from a major plot standpoint in, in the first season of the show. Well, that's shocking to me because doesn't that encompass uh, the first two books? No, just the first book. Oh, just, just, just the, the first book. Just yeah. the first one. So, wow, it must have taken a lot of insight that, the, you know, that they could really adapt something like this into 10, you know, hours of, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to do it without leaving stuff out is, is uh, for yeah. sure. I definitely think that they did a good job being true to the first book in the first series. And uh, it just so happened, uh, Benhoff and Weiss, they were talking about, I was reading an article really recently, and they were they were discussing why um, they did that. And they said, really, because it strategically fell into sort of a natural episodic rhythm with R.R. Martin being sort of a, a TV writer. That was his origins back mm-hmm. in the 80s. And so the first book fell into that pattern, and they were getting asked, you know, if they were planning on doing seven seasons of the of the show they were planning on matching the books up with the show in the future and their their answer to that was definitely not uh definitely to probably <laughs> not because like the fourth book for example i don't know this because uh here's my confession i've only read the first one but um okay. there's you know half of book four and then another half of book four and i'm throwing up air quotes because i don't know for sure but this is what they were saying in the article that um they uh, there's parts where the main character or the main characters aren't even discussed like it's hopping around so much that they can't really Mm -hmm. split it into like a natural episodic pattern to say season x or season y so what they're going to be doing probably after this second season or maybe even in this season because we don't know for sure what's in it we only have a handful of episode names so far but uh they're going to be splitting it up within books not only within the book structure so i mean i don't really see that as a bad thing but it would have been cool if each book had a series you know so they're they're kind of doing it where I'm trying to think of like even in Lord of the Rings for a little bit there's moments that happen at the same time as other moments where you know chronologically is different from the way the story is written. So right. I guess what they're trying to do is trying to make it you know meld it into a chronological format which follows which works better for TV, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what they're I mean that it's a challenge, but like I said considering the way that Martin wrote the series, uh, it was easy for them to do the first series and it will probably be easy with just a little bit of moving around in the future to make it more tangible for, for screen as well. Well, also yeah. these books are so rich in detail that there's, I mean, really there's no other way that you could do it. I mean, you could throw it into seven feature films or six feature films. Um, but it, I feel it works better as a television series because, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Plus the runtime. Yeah. If you think about, you know, 10 episodes of the first season, you know, it's, that's five times longer than any feature film could get right. away with being. Exactly. Plus it, well, I think it gets more of a, you know, a devoted, uh, viewer, you know, viewership, uh, I, that way. I hate to, to reference and move to Harry Potter, but let's just think for, for a moment. We if, might as well do it. Yeah. Away. Right. <laughs> all right. Let's just, get, let's anyway. just get that out of the way. Right we now. all, we have, we, several of us share Harry in common. So, um, yeah, that's actually how I know Eric and Micah, which is great. Um, Harry connects us all. But um, so imagine if, you know, seven books of Harry Potter, let's just say HBO is like, OK, well, we'll take this, even though it's sort of a children geared oh, thing. Wow, and there, there, awesome. there may be a little less nudity and there may be a little less cursing because it's more oh, tasteful. Yeah. They could write <laughs> They could write <laughs> so let's say they make this show. OK, they'd like add some kind of romance structure with Professor Quirrell and like Professor Trelawney. And Voldemort, yeah. Starcross lovers with all that cooking cherry. Anyway, um, so let's just say that each book was turned into a series. How much more detail we would be able to get? How much? How more? Like how Eric was saying, how we'd be more able to get sort of dedicated to the series because we're getting this regular content rather than one. I mean, if they tried to smash the first series of Game of Thrones into a feature film, I would probably throw this oversized jar of multivitamins on my desk at someone. You know what I mean? Like that would yeah. suck. And you know the thing about 
about Game of Thrones, especially like even more so than Harry Potter, is that because the story takes place in so many different areas of the world, you're gonna need more time to explore all of that. Because if you only had that in a film, you know, you'd get maybe like 20 minutes in total with Daenerys, and you know, 20 minutes of Winterfell and things like that. It just, it just, it just wouldn't work. What we've also got to think about here is the target audience for both series. I mean, Harry Potter's more geared towards, you know, the the younger crowd as Game of Thrones is more geared towards the, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and and so on and so forth that can uh, understand and appreciate and soak up the depth of the the style that, that Martin writes in. I mean, honestly, I, him, between him and, uh, Tolkien, their, their writings are so similar. Really, it, um, yeah, it really is, and it's it's. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's hard for me to understand Tolkien. Um, so that's why I've never read any of the Lord of the Rings books. But um, I feel that that there's just two complete different writing styles there. And if we were to put Harry Potter into, you know, if they were to develop, you know, all these character arcs uh, other than the main major characters that we've seen so far, it, it would be just. <laughs> I don't know how how they could keep interest, keep people interested. Mm-hmm. Um, as Game of Thrones has. Well, yeah. Well, what I find interesting in Game of Thrones is there do appear to be just so many characters. Every single one of them has this important backstory. Mm-hmm. And they've really managed to work that in through season one, not to mention, you know, all the new characters that we're going to meet, you know, coming season two of the right. show. Um, well, I was going to say, I thought season one did a great job sort of laying the groundwork. And now you're getting into really the meat of the story. And there's going to be war. There's going to be battle. It's going to get bloody. And, you know, I think this is kind of what the fans are really waiting for. You know, going back to season one, obviously the big moment with Ned losing his head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think aside really from that, there weren't. There, Where did he lose it, Micah? Where did he, what? Where did he lose it? He just, <laughs> it's like that damn statue. Get it out of here. <laughs> but if you think about it, I mean, maybe aside from Brown getting thrown out the window, there wasn't any sort of moments in, in season one. Whereas I feel like you're going to get a lot of battle and a lot of action going on here in season two. Yeah, it's true. I mean, um, to answer your earlier question, Eric, I've also read uh, the all five books, or I'm halfway through the fifth one right now, and the rest of the series definitely, without getting, giving anything away, it's definitely a journey. You know, it's just like one constant journey for all these characters moving around the kingdom and and trying to find, I guess, their place. And I think this, yeah, is, is they sorry. do a really, I'm sorry, they they do a really great job of keeping you interested each week. You know, week after week, it's like mm-hmm. the the cliffhangers at the end of each episode um, from the series getting crowned with the melted gold. That was just insane. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that happened all the way. Well, up I until- thought that was odd too because the whole first season there's not a big war, but it's obviously leading up to one. But still, it would manage to be interesting. Well, as, you know, as, yeah, exactly as Zach was saying. I mean, it's kind of. And, and Micah, as laying the groundwork, you know, this season's laying the groundwork. Okay, this is what we can expect. And then next season, and we've even seen the taglines, war is coming instead of winter is coming. Yes, winter's coming. <laughs> That's still on the table, but war is coming now. So they have more I'm, things to worry about. Winter's over. So. <laughs> yeah. Win- winter's still coming in book five. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They like those Starks really look forward to stuff, huh? They're just, you know, <laughs> that's that's what's unique. Uh, <laughs> everything's happening, but they just really look forward to winter. Like, oh man. Winter is they've snowball been snowball fights and you snowball know, fights. They, yeah. Why not? Sledging. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't <laughs> they look forward it, listen, to if I lived in Winterfell, you can you can bet your sweet asses that I'd be walking outside playing snowball with like Hodor all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> You know that he's really good at throwing snowballs, like really good. Yeah, but snowballs, I mean, boulders. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that too. Snow boulders. Um, let's talk about that for a minute, because one of the things that interested me about the show, I think, you know, that set it apart, not only from the other writing, you know, Lord of the Rings, even the Lord of the Rings films, because there is a medieval aspect to it, you know, swords and and armor and that kind of thing. But what set it apart for me was that, you know, winter, for instance, uh, you know, a regular season that appears regularly for us. Uh, every every year, somehow some winters last. You know, in 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 the kingdom, in the world, uh, in Westeros, you know, winter is a big deal, and it, it's it's not consistent, and it's pretty dangerous when it actually does come, isn't it? Oh, dude, mm-hmm. let me just say this: I've had this conversation, I think, with Micah. I think Micah and I have had this conversation um, 
on our spare time because this is what we do. We talk about geeky things on our spare time. But um, think about this. And I thought this was a really great thing that Martin was able to make in this book. To just, I mean, there's a lot of fantasy epics out there, but the really one of the really great things I've found about Game of Thrones is a the world that he's made, and and one of the coolest aspects being what you just said, this concept of winter that. It, it, okay, maybe we have this long summer where it's just a decent temperature, but on this planet and the way that it rotates around its sun, uh, sometimes there's going to be a winter that could last a generation, which which means it's, it's going to be pitch black and dark, like the solstice in, in Alaska, for 100 years. How outrageously crazy is that when you really think about it? How are you supposed to plan your family around that or kingdom or your life or supplies? How are you going to stock up if you don't know how long winter's going to last? I mean, there are mm-hmm. generations of kids that have never melted ants with a magnifying glass in this I, world. I feel so bad for them for never having had that. I have you know, never done that. Because <laughs> you're from Sweden. That's fine. <laughs> they don't oh, have magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, apparently, winter is only going to last. Oh. No. Well, I mean, really? a, a book is equal to a season sometimes. <laughs> I don't no, no. no, he's serious. No, based on the title of the sixth book, Which The Winds is, of Winter. What is the title of that? Oh, yeah, Winds of Winter. But that could just be the start of the winter. Oh, I okay, even, I got you. Yeah, I don't I even you. think it, uh, it – I mean, winter still might not be coming, right? Can we can we talk about, though, how George R. R. Martin needs to – Like, yeah. something dies? Uh, like, something happens? Oh, yeah. how, many have he, how many has he said there were? And is yeah. he getting up there? Is that Six. the thing? Is, Seven. Seven? seven? Yes, yeah, seven, okay. Okay, seven, seven books. books. Maybe, and maybe more, he said as well, well which is probably- worrying because obviously at, at some point the series are going to catch up to the story. And what's even more worrying is that these amazing kid actors are going to grow up pretty fast, right? You know, and, the and books, they don't in the story. Right. From what I gather, a lot of the books happen, you know, it, the time. Within a very short span yeah, of time. Yeah. a short span of time. Everything is happening at once. But as a result, he's writing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. But – you know, in terms yep. of filming it. Guys, as if Finn can play a high school student in Glee, I think they can make it happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you mean? Finn, we'll is, not, like, Finn is not actually yeah. 18 or I don't 17? Know. Isn't he like 87 or some <laughs> odd number like that? I'm sure he's not. Yeah, we'll get like uh, a 30-year-old Bran. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> I'm not uh, like I'm not really worried about Martin dying. I'm sure that now that he's got plenty oh, of no, no, riches, he well, has tons of multivitamins, and I'm sure he... Let- Exercises twice a day. He's got clones. Happy. He's, got, He's clones. got clones. It'll be a game of clones. And game of clones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. clones can finish the series for him. I yeah. think but, it does have to be brought up that um, the ages in the books are incredibly different than what's on Younger, screen. So, yeah. so that deficit that you guys are talking about to the people that are dedicated to the books, that would even be a stronger deficit. But mm-hmm. with the creative license they are taking with the show, they may just make them age. You know what I'm saying? It's really, it's really jarring to to actually because I started by read by by watching the show and then I decided to read the books and that was a big decision because the show is so amazing. But um, mm-hmm. but reading the books after watching the show because you know you you, you turn the page and you've got like a 14 year old Rob Stark and um, and Jon Snow and it's just. No, you feel bad for being so attractive to them? You feel well, yeah. terrible. <laughs> Don't worry, I was and, too. Okay. And, um, and, and, and also, yeah, 14-year-old Daenerys, right? And you just see everything they go through and, and watch them in the show, and you're just like, oh, it's kind of icky now. <laughs> Micah, how do you feel about the 14-year-old Daenerys? I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But but you bring up a great point though because I, I you know and Zach kind of touched on it earlier a little bit too you know talking about how the seasons are really going to break out now moving forward because these books are so long and you have such an overlap going on too especially as you get to book four um, you know because basically all of book four overlaps the first half of of book five and so how yeah. do you go about you know, when you guys are talking about the whole age thing, you know, it, it's going to be very difficult if they're going to start, let's say, with the next form of swords, breaking that into two seasons, you know, and, and mm-hmm. dealing with the whole age, you shoot it at the same time. Which you can't. Right. Well, right. they probably, I mean, they, they could be shooting it at the same time, but, and just spreading it out, I guess. But yeah, again, that, that would be really complicated. I don't know. I think that it, it was exactly you who said they might just like, make them age 
Yeah, I, I, like I'm, what care. I'm saying is, if they have the creative license to do what they've done with the ages now to make them more approachable by Hollywood standards and by the mass public, I don't see them being too afraid of taking more creative license and aging the characters appropriately if they need to, mm-hmm. if need be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and to be honest, like you know, all that said about the ages, it's not going to change the story that much oh, in a 15, especially. Because, you know, you had Jon Snow and Sam in the first series sort of go through the same things in terms of, you know, never having been with women and all that, even though they were, like, being 14. And yeah, it didn't really it added, change the story It definitely much. added more drama with them being older. I mean, it makes more sense in the li- from a contextual standpoint from the literature because that's the world they live in. And 14 is an age where they would have had a need to have bedded a woman. But here mm-hmm. in the world that we live in and the world that most people are watching this, because we have to understand that. The mass public that's watching these shows, they're not really, you know, they're not gearing themselves in more of a literature content. They're thinking from the perspective of just a casual watcher who watches TV. So a 20-year-old guy who hasn't slept with anyone is much more shocking and it says something more to them than if like a brawn level guy said, oh, I haven't been with a girl yet, you know? Well, they do that with Joffrey. Every he goes uh, show... Uh, sends uh, Ned's head on the spike, and he goes, "Whenever uh, mother says, whenever you get your blood, I'll put my seed in your belly, or something like that." And he's, yeah. he's so shocking. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, can we all can, can we all just end the show? Is is the biggest little shit of all time, and they did such a great they did such a great <laughs> job casting him. He really yeah. does. He's like. No, I'm not going to say. I was. Oh my god, I was going to make another Harry Potter reference. Oh, go ahead. Say he's you're, like you're the Draco allowed. Malfoy. Oh, <laughs> the <never> show. Mind. <laughs> yeah, I just got the blonde hair blonde. and everything. Yeah, because <laughs> he's so mean. Isn't he the? Uh, isn't he the son of Mad Eye Moody though? Is he because of his last name? Gleason. Wait, are you are you serious? Yeah, um, Gleason, Jack Gleason. Uh, I always is... thought he was. Oh wow! Is that so he really, really was born into power. Before. <laughs> Zing. Zing. It's good that IG didn't get passed along then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really funny. Guys. Um, <laughs> what about some of the other Harry Potter uh, actors that have made their way into uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, we could talk that a bit. I mean, I guess throughout Series 1, there were several. Um, it comes to mind, I think, of David Bradley, um, you know, who plays Argus Filch in Harry Potter. Is he in Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's a, he's a, he's the guy at the seat of the twin. Father? Frey? No, that's Walter no. Frey. Oh, yeah, Lord Walter Frey. Frey. Lord Frey. Okay. I apologize to the listeners that are very into the <laughs> to the literature. Yeah. We <laughs> um, more focused on superficial. Yeah. Yeah, but I need as, to edit that part out. But yeah. So, so there were a couple. To play Hermione's mother. Oh, Count that's true. Really? Yes, yeah, she does. Yes, she does. No kidding. Who she, who had such a massive role in Deathly Hallows Part Two? <laughs> Excuse me, Part Part One. Forgive me for not recognizing her. Yeah, forgive me for not recognizing her. It was her, her voice. Just... I think she's doing the trick with her voice in Harry Potter, where you're just not you can't tell that it's her. <laughs> and by that I mean she has no speaking lines in Harry yeah. Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh, that's by right. that he means that her memory is modified. Mm. Yes, she's forgotten how to speak. Mm. And isn't uh, isn't Warwick Davis in this too? Okay. <laughs> no, okay. No. I, no, that's definitely no, that's uh very popular Peter Dinklage who uh, I was just reading in GQ recently and I forget the author's name but um a person that's high up on the list at GQ that like makes decisions and stuff was pushing so hard to have Peter Dinklage on the cover for Men of the Year on one that of the three covers. Awesome. He would have put the typeface on there. Anyway, go ahead. When he I, I think he was the standout character. Uh, it, you know, of that show in season one. Absolutely. If there, if there was no one, question. you know, if there can only be one, it's absolutely Tyrion. You know, Lannister. Yeah. If there had to be one, but I think most of them were. To be honest, I don't think there's like a bad actor in the bunch. There's, oh, there's, yeah, there's no bad no, actor. But I mean, in terms of all. characters, because he can, yeah. endless, he can endlessly be, you know, tongue in cheek. He is obviously this and character. He, he represents kind of everything that that show is about. In a way, you know. Yeah, and you you emphasize with him as well, which is really important because for so many of the other characters, they're kind of jerks. Like, you know, they're yeah. they're they're bad people, and then you see Tyrion, who just is not a like a perfect like good person, but he has his his moral compass, sort of. Yeah. 
that's a really right great on. thing about how how Martin's written these characters is um you know they're very flawed. We still have you know love for the characters obviously, but also the their flaws make it. And this isn't a spoiler, but for the deaths that are in the future of the series and the books, uh, they're more manageable. You know what I'm saying? Like. Well, speaking of that, um, I did want to say just in talking in general about season one, kind of my favorite thing about it because I was rewatching uh, at least the very beginning of it. Um, a couple nights ago now, but it was just shocking to me how uh, it was the first time I'd rewatched the show, uh, you know, in preparation for season two. And it was shocking how all of these characters, uh, their flaws or their sins, if you, want to, if you want to put it that way, they're all walking around. Like it's why they're all right in front of them. Like, for instance, um, you know, the Jon Snow, you know, being the, the bastard child of Ed Stark, you know, lives with the family at the very beginning. Um, you or know, and- is he? Or is, or is he? he? Well, okay, but Tyrion, you know, <laughs> everybody Tyrion. refers to him as the bastard. Everybody refers, you know, and it's kind of like this thing that he's stuck with. Um, Tyrion and him have this conversation very early on, you know, wear it like armor, you know, so it can never hurt you, that kind of thing. But just in general, like with, um, you know, with the Lannisters, you know, their incest, that they're obviously trying to cover up, conceal. The Hand of the King, you know, dies in the first episode, and and, and that's obviously by their hand. And then Bran discovers the same thing you know so it's like all these uh these people's issues is is right right in front of them and the co-conspirators and conspirators are living together in this medieval setting it's it's very dark and i wanted more call drogo nudity but go ahead (laughs) no no listen to the audiobooks guys and then send us a tweet and then we'll talk about it (laughs) (laughs) please just listen to that scene in the audiobooks (laughs) what i really loved about season one was the uh, and i'm talking about the obviously the the series uh, on hbo what i really liked about it is is they kept you interested all the way through now granted it was a bit slow in some places but they really as i had said earlier they they really never left not one episode uh, without some sort of a, a lead up or a cliffhanger or something like that, something that really always kept mm-hmm. you coming back, and I think that's what they did a, a great job with season one. Now, internally within the series itself, um, God, I would have to say, like, I mean, the writing was amazing. The writing, I, I mean, yeah, sure, we can attribute that to Martin, but the the adaptation, the adaptation to the small screen was just amazing. Uh, you know, th- there's so many different plots going on right now and uh they really did a great job with you know setting everything up and and i mean casting and what didn't they do a great job with in this series well the 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 dialogue is very vulgar i think is what shocked me too is is people are really like even the eunuch everybody has these witty lines that are just like they play them even out the eunuch you say that like <laughs> <laughs> particularly shocking thing, no no i'm just saying in general that so there is a eunuch you know these these characters there's a man with no testicles on this show <laughs> i'm saying but he has it's balls to the wall everything about it is not for him <laughs> <Balls to the laughs> <wall. laughs> everybody is everybody's being as horrible as they possibly can to each other and it's, you know, and it's it's this uh, type of setting, a gritty, you know, there's this grit about it all that, that just is millions of dollars. I think um, that we can – go ahead. No, I'm done. I think that we can all agree that um, this show is a, a stunning, stunning example of what can happen if a handful of people with a little bit of money – because HBO really, really takes care of their creative projects. They really do. What a handful of creative people that are passionate about a project can make if, um, like I said, an incredible example of such a such a such a such a such well-made TV show. Just just Mm. it's perfect. It's incredible. Their adaptation of the books to the screen, like Terrence was saying, is tactful. It's great. Um, And to echo on what Eric was saying about the, the vulgar sense of it, I mean, it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? It comes with the territory. Yeah, but the show—it's really, awesome. That's really, I think, one of the things that that really gripped me is that it is so, it is so realistic. Like n- nothing is sugarcoated whatsoever. Like it really is when you both when you read the books and when you watch the show. Like these horrible things just happen sometimes, and there's no there's no explanation for them. There's no retribution, and and this just it's this group of characters that just struggle through their life and you know struggle to survive from one day to another and i think you really feel for them like 
all the little power plays that go that that go on in in the world is really like what I love. It's like these little small scuffles between scuttles, scuffles. I don't know. Scuttles, a bird, and a little mermaid. Whatever you say, it's <laughs> that okay. works. Fine. Uh, Swedish people. Mermaid. Thanks for that insight, um, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was really random that you knew that. But um, yeah, no, all, all those little things that go on, sort of just really subtle, subtle things. Subtle I was just gonna touch on what uh what eric said earlier though just sort of the graphic nature of it i mean i remember watching the first episode and it's like you go from seeing this kid hanging in a tree to a guy getting beheaded to a midget getting a blowjob to you know <laughs> a kid getting thrown out of a window uh, you know it's like <laughs> yeah. there's a eunuch in it as well and a eunuch this is too much. But obviously the books have that stuff. But to, to translate onto film, and HBO has always been kind of the darker edge of, you know, that historically, the other TV series that they've Showtime developed. Showtime just wants to be HBO. But, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying just in general, this show is nothing like I had ever had access to before. You know, if I were younger when this came out, <laughs> this, what you see, I mean, you see whores and the people who pay for whores. You see, you know, kings and queens. Yeah. They're illegitimate children. They're you they're see legitimate two children. Brothers fondling their sisters, one having sex with them. I mean, the yeah. Targaryens, and then you know, Jamie and Cersei. Exactly, Guys, it's a different and world. Not not to mention though, there are people who seem to have their head on straight. Um, well, know, not well, anymore. For a while, <laughs> and then they yeah. get better. Not friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah there are people who root for in this like really messed up world, um, which is so important. But I just think like. Because when I watched the first episode, like, it really put me off, all the violence and all the sex. It felt like too much. But then when you read the books, like, it's much <laughs> just, more manageable. But then I kept just watching. Enough, just <laughs> enough violence and sex. Just well, enough. But then I, I just feel like it got, like, more integrated into the plot as it went on. You know what I mean? But I know that a lot of people were put off by the first episode. I learned a new word from the first episode. What did you? Defenestration. <laughs> that? That's throwing somebody from a window. Oh, okay. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, um, not to quote Ben from Parks and Recreation, um, but the really successful thing, uh, the 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 property that makes Game of Thrones transcend the fantasy fantasy genre, is the fact that it's such human stories, such real human story arcs, and such real things that we could see in any period of the Earth because humans have been humans. We haven't, you know, evolved in a hundred thousand years. Right. Um. Such human stories in even such an outrageous fantasy world. I mean, and that's why it is successful. It doesn't really – there's no pol polarizing fact like, yeah, they have swords. Yeah, they have shields. Sometimes they have helms. Sometimes they have chainmail. But they always have you know, a guy and a girl, and there's angst. That's a story. Well, you don't know – you don't really know where the direction of the story is going either. I mean, we have an overall understanding that um, – you know, that the Lannisters are at war and the Targaryens are, you know, they're coming with the, the, the dragons and all that other stuff. We know that winter is coming. That's all we need right. to know. Exactly. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that as far as the detail and how everything plays out, we, we don't know. I mean, George Martin, he said himself that he doesn't have a problem killing off his main characters, which he's shown, you know, time again, if, if you read the series. Um, but it's, it's that you just don't know where the story's going to go. And I think that's what makes it so, so tantalizing is that yeah. you're trying to, you know, you're like, okay, let's say, let's say this is going to happen this next episode. Well, something else completely different happens and that's what pulls us in and brings it. Yeah. Yeah. It brings us into it. You kind of want to find a safe corner to hide in, but there's the, but no corner is safe. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, like all of us saw the show first, right? None of us read the book first. I mean, right. what was your reaction to what happened in that episode of Baylor. I mean, I just uh, remember sitting there uh, staring I was at the so mad. I saw yeah. I saw a few tweets from earlier in that night and it was like, uh, Ed Stark pulled a Boromir and I was like, God damn it, some Spirakai <laughs> killed that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Not again. No, they took the little ones. No, but I uh <laughs> I I saw it coming, you know, and then when it happened, it happened and I was extremely depressed. But I mean I knew that there was nothing I could do. What I, I like yeah. about it, what about that scene in, in in specific, is that even um even the boy's mother, you know, the Lannister is, is the queen is 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 trying to show her son how to be diplomatic or 
that kind of thing. But the son is just this little shit, as you had said. But yeah. um, he, you know, he wants to exercise his power. He doesn't. He doesn't even want to wait. You know, maybe the next day he'll have some opportunity to behead somebody. But he wants to make his mark then and there. And it's almost to her. You know, she doesn't like it as much. You know, she she's actually upset by the choice to 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 kill Ned um, simply because she doesn't think that politically it's the right thing to do um, at the moment. But he just he just goes crazy and and kills Ned, and that's what happens. And the idea that that this boy can be in charge of you know a whole kingdom, of course, but also you know the lives of the characters that matter to us is terrifying. It's well, a, you know, it, and it creates the suspense that I think a lot of the show is is fueled on. Whereas, you know, these people who have this these powers, how are they going to use them? You know, for for worse, and and who's going to die because of it? What, what good people are going to die because these bad people are in power? Well, yeah, just, I mean, the fact that you know what what is it in the first episode? It's Ned who says the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, could Joffrey even swing a sword? I mean, to cut off Ned's I don't head. Think I mean, so, that's no. the scary thing. He's he's probably not even old enough to be able to behead a, a man. There's you know, a, kill is, there, a man. is there a height restriction on? There's an age restriction. Like once yeah. you once you pass the age of fifteen, then your body you kind of it's like a small form of old man strength, and you're finally able to decapitate someone. Finally. Well, finally. see, I, I don't yeah. think that Cersei really cared that uh, that Ned was going. To be beheaded because I think she had it in her mind that it was going to happen anyway. But well, she I, needs to protect herself what, first and foremost. So she wasn't all that upset. You're what, right. Yeah. Well, what I think what was going to happen was, I mean, it, not really political either. She knew that if if Ned Stark would die, all hell is going to break loose because, I mean, yeah. really, the Lannisters and the Starks are really going to go at it, and a lot of people are going to die. And I mean, there's this, there's going to be this big war, and then you don't know what else is is brewing across the ocean uh, or across the sea. And that was already explained, you know, whenever Ned and Robert were talking, um, that they need to kill. No, well, <laughs> well, she's like the rightful, like they feel exactly. That, that exactly, she feels that their their bloodline feels like it's uh, belongs on the throne. Right. Yeah, no, she's a Targaryen, and uh, you know the the usurper took the role of the king when they decided to replace the Mad King with someone else, and yeah. so she still feels, you know, that you know, well, he wasn't in the bloodline; he just took over. So I'm still technically an heir to the throne. But right. what you're what you're saying, Terrence, is is really interesting because that's kind of that's kind of the 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 interesting thing about season one is that. It's really like the first act of a movie, the entire season. It's basically where all hell breaks loose. And from this point on, like all the stuff that season one established, all the all the families, all the power division is just gone with the death death of Ned Stark and uh, Robert Baratheon. And it's just completely open game and everyone starts dividing and this is where all these wars start. And... I don't know because I I really I was really upset that that Ned died, but at the same time, like losing yeah losing Sean Bean, <laughs> it's kind of sucked. But yeah, yeah. Th- he's just a small pawn in these games that are so much bigger than him, and there's still so many amazing characters to watch on the screen. That ultimately, like losing him wasn't like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely which, not. I agree. Which I, I mean, I want to pose this question to you guys. Then you know, talking about that. Who do you think is playing the Game of Thrones at the highest level? I mean, who is it that's orchestrating all of this in your mind? In season one terms? At all. I mean, is that is that a spoiler? Is somebody orchestrating at all? I mean, it's pretty obvious, I, I mean, think. I, I think everybody's in it for themselves. Definitely Varys and the well, eunuch, for sure, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let's take a look. Let's take a look. I mean, whenever we say play in the game, I mean, now we have, like, more than one throne, really. We have different thrones. Leading into season two, we have, uh, you know, the king in the north. You know, uh, we have Stannis Baratheon. We have um, Joffrey. We have, you know, all together. I mean, the Game of Thrones just yeah, got and, so um, much more complicated. Be- things just thrown in the mix. I definitely felt carried. The story arc is great in season one, which is what you guys are talking about. But I just felt like watching the, watching the series was still extremely like invigorating and i felt like i was you know that there is there is complex by by no means did they simplify it i i think or if they did it was you know all productive it was all in a good way constructive but i still feel watching the show that i was being cradled a little bit in a good way you know because the books are a lot more intense you know of a read they're a lot more um i want i don't want to say tedious but i don't think i'll 
ever be able to successfully finish the series of books just based on the writing style about how you know intense it is. But watching the show, well, I can do that. And so I felt um, a, a sort of um, you know graciousness, a, a gratefulness for the creators to adapt this and and you know into a show that I can follow because I don't think I could you know have the patience or the time or whatever to follow the books. Yeah. Um, guys- the show is definitely amazing on its own. Like it's probably one of the few book series that have been adapted where I would say it's okay not to read them. Like as much as I enjoy I enjoy reading them, watching the show would be just as good. I'd agree with you. I, I've read. I've only read the first book um, so far, and I think of one scene in particular when I when just to perfectly embody what Eric was just saying. But um, if you guys that have read it remember when they were uh, at the Erie and they were going to the Erie and they were looking up at the Erie and they were with their little party of people and like, oh, this is going to take an entire day to get up this hill. And they reach the first mm-hmm. house, and then um, Lady Stark goes on ahead and goes with the bastard girl all the way up the mountain steps. And it's such a vivid, uh, st- stunningly detailed description of heading up these starlit stairs and just about this girl and about this bridge and about her feelings, about her emotions. And it's a, uh, it's a really great experience, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of like Martin's holding your hand as he teaches you about this world, and it's great. But it, as Eric was saying, if... It is sort of tedious, and you can get the meat of the story from the show and still get a lot of the spirit. This, like, in, to echo what you said, I, I do kind of put my unofficial stamp of approval and say, like, if, if you're not on board for catching all of this rich detail and learning about the Seven Kingdoms and learning about Westeros, then watch the show because it's pretty much the same thing just without all the prettiness. It's funny that you brought up that scene, actually, because... Um that in particular stood out to me as something that was really missing from the series and yeah. without getting getting anything away that girl actually pops up later in the series i know and it's yeah. interesting that she does and she wasn't included so but but besides from that you know i think the listeners will be glad to you know hear that you've gave your stamp <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but no it's true i agree with you yeah, I mean, there was one scene for me that stood out just watching before I read anything, um, you know, in terms of who is playing the Game of Thrones. There's a scene, I forget which episode it is, it might actually be the Baylor episode, um, where they're in the room with the throne, and it's Peter Baelish and Varys, and they're having this conversation. And for some reason, for me, it just clicked. Like, these guys are, are playing at a higher level than anybody else at this point. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Absolutely. I mean, well, those, in what way? those are the two. I feel they're like puppet masters. And they're, have... they're orchestrating a lot that we don't necessarily know about. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you have what, what we have is uh, kingdoms. We have true kings, true air quotes kings. And then we have these two guys that are sitting on the king's council that are whispering in the ear of the hand of the king that are blah, 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 blah. And they're in bed with. Targaryens, they're in bed unofficially with the Starks and blah 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 blah. With each other, I mean, they with each other with other people. Uh, they are definitely. I mean, Mike is exactly right. I mean, they, they those, wield those power, guys. but it's a different yeah. kind of power, you yeah. know. And, and and they're they're content not to be the king, but it, you know, to sit on an advisory panel or an advisory capacity to have they're the like allies. the Illuminati of Westeros, if you will. Yeah. Except they're not they're not too rich. So they're just rich that- enough. That kind of leads on to, I guess, an interesting question, though, because without like including any book spoilers, who do you guys think should end up sitting on the Game of Thrones? Like on the, Iron the throne, you mean? on the throne? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. The, I think the throne should be smelted down, and it should it should be into a giant coin that they can they can buy uh, some more land with. Ah, uh, a coin? That's awesome. They yeah, can or they can pay it. off the White Walkers. Like, don't kill us! Don't kill us! Here's this big coin. It's a lot Take of this money. This coin. Take this. It's a lot of money. It's a really very point. elaborate way to avoid the question. <laughs> I want to revisit your question. I want to revisit your question, Selena, but I do want to say this. Uh, if you guys have read the books, can we just talk about how big that freaking wall is? That wall's too big. Uh, it's, too, it's too big. Well, how is it so big? Uh, the, 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 the mean guy who's going to come from all the snowlands, I don't think he's ever going to get over that wall. That wall's bigger than most things that I'm. No, but uh, who should sit on the Iron Throne? I think we should definitely go around in a circle and answer this because that's a darn good question. But I think probably, I think it should be, which I know that bad things happen to people. I don't know which people. So I, I'm probably going to say something and you two are going to like chuckle at me or send an I am to each other and just laugh about my stupidity. But 
I like I'm partial to the Starks, although I really do like Renly Baratheon. Um, I think he's a, a neat dude, and I'm I support his chest shaving, even though he uses questionable methods to do that. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say I mean knives are dangerous, guys. They make safety razors for a reason. I'm gonna say either I think well the smartest person would definitely be the imp, Mister Tyrion Lannister, yeah. or um, yes, or Hodor. Nah, let's just say Hodor? either T- Tyrion. I mean, it'd be a simple kingdom. Tyrion or... Um, it'd be a simple kingdom. Or... Um, <laughs> it's just one rule. <laughs> Hodor. <laughs> or Rob Stark. I think Jon Snow is a little too emotional, honestly. Wow. You know, he's, also, he's a bastard, so probably Rob. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think that... I was just going to say, I think that, that you're right. I think that Tyrion actually... He wasn't... Um, he, he wasn't what I was... After you said it, I think that Tyrion would probably be... Um, one of my top choices for being under the throne. And obviously, I think, I, I personally, I still think that, um, I think that Daenerys would be a good call. I know that there's lots of mixed op- opinions about that, but I think that she would be really good. Um, I also thought, I also think that, um, like, watching Renly in the first season, I really liked him. And I think that when, um, uh, I feel bad that I don't know, the, the Knight of the Flowers guy, um, he... I think he made a really good point when he said, well, everybody loves you and you are sort of a mild personality. I think that Renly would definitely be a very, very good king. And Daenerys, I think, would be a really good queen once she finally, if she finally regained her power. And um, and Tyrion as well. So I think are, you, are you shipping Daenerys and Renly? Is that what you're shipping? <laughs> yeah. Do we fir- have our first ever Did, Game of Thrones ship? <laughs> Renaris, yes. Renaris. I'm, shipping, I'm shipping them in a threesome, so Tyrion, Renly, and Daenerys. So All right, have fun t- putting those t- words together. Renaris. Lee. There you go. Tyrannaris Lee. There you go. It's almost like Renesmee from Twilight. No. <laughs> Just as good of a name, yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Terrence? Well, I think, I honestly, I would like to see Tyrion up there. Um, I, I'm not partial to Lannisters. I don't really like them. I don't really think they can be trusted, but Tyrion seems to be a different kind of Lannister. He's like um, the anti-Lannister. He, exactly. He's, he he thinks things all the way through. He's a very smart man. He says, I think one of the quotes was whatever um, he lacks for in height, he makes up for with his brain or something like that. One of those, one of those quotes that he said. I'm pretty sure it was a sex joke he made. Oh, yeah, well, my bad. <laughs> anyway, um, but I don't, I don't think it's a good idea that he has his Lannister ties with him on the Iron Throne if he were to ever take it because he could be, you know, persuaded because it is family and, you know, Lannister's... Well, they might be dead by then. Well, true. You never know. Well, they all might Or Selena might, might know. Someone or else. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I'm, not, I'm just saying you, like... What's what was this wasn't spoilers. <laughs> I filled my uncle's boots with goat shit. <laughs> wow, that was a really good impression. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Micah, what do you think? We're talking about Endgame, right? Yeah, Not, who, should, yeah. who should be on the Yeah, thing? I do. I like Tyrion a lot because I think that you know, we see that he's being sent off at the end of season one to become Hand of the King. And I think, you know, without giving anything away with season two, I think you really get to see his mechanics for leadership, you know, and how he executes. And I think people will be really impressed with how he does that. So I really think that he is somebody at the end of the day that could sit the Iron Throne and do a really good job. Right. The only other person I would throw in there, because I don't believe he is who people say he is is Jon Snow and I think that you think he you know, could end up being king? I do because I don't think he's really a Stark he's a bastard or at Boston. least not oh, yeah. totally a Stark that is a big theory I think we should have a whole that. episode um, at some point dedicated to the discussion of, of who Jon Snow's parents are Yeah, the that is a huge thing to the guys listening to the show, to this is obviously the first episode, but um, we're going to be constricted in some regard um, around the time of the show, which is very soon, April first. But you know, after the show, we're going to be much more open to things like you know, discussing the books, discussing you know, like Selena was saying, episode long theories about Jon Snow's lineage and stuff like that. Also, mm-hmm. whether or not Peter Dinklage should uh, go for the Republican presidential primary, right, guys? Ooh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Choices. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I I think uh, Daenerys actually is a, is a good choice because I like yeah. her because she's 
She's uh, both she's a victim. She's naked. Um, oh, only if you ask nicely. <laughs> only if she ages a little bit, Micah. <laughs> well, we're talking about the TV version of her, not the oh, book version of her. Okay. Um, no, she'd be good because, like I said, she's also a victim. She knows what kind of world she lives in, you know, and, and would therefore be a good king because she could try and prevent or that. Or queen, even. Or queen, queen. even. <laughs> she'd, she'd make a good ruler. You don't know what's under those robes, <laughs> Selena. Jeez. No. I do because we've seen it all. <laughs> oh, have we? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. we have, haven't we? I guess I don't yep. watch close enough. Sorry. Should be a good queen. So I no, I think that's good. Maybe one of the dragons would be king then. Or, you know, <laughs> that could set up. That'd be pretty hot, actually. Why not? Yeah, but um, that'd be good. Or anybody who's just really felt the like Jon Snow because he's an outsider. You know, I like the idea of somebody who knows uh, the you know the worst parts of the world so that they can better the world. That kind of thing. Um, but Tyrion Lannister would be awesome too because he is kind of like the anti-Lannister, you know. His father's hatred of him uh, has really given him a lot of useful tools um, that, you know, he's he's grown and become a better person. I think we have a few clear favorites, obviously, obviously from Martin, and I would probably say Arya, Tyrion, and Jon Snow. Yeah. Can we all agree with that? Arya. Yeah, did I say Arya? Because I, I for, for queen. I was. No, going I'm just to... saying. I'm not not necessarily oh, for favorite the, characters. Okay. Yeah. Which which yeah, kind I love of Arya. could mirror what the choice is at the end for leadership of of Westeros. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love her. I had this theory, and again, this is something that we probably should discuss more in detail. Um, but I had this theory once that in the end we'd be left with seven characters that sort of represented the seven gods of Westeros. Oh, nice. And um, and definitely, like one of them would be Arya and um, and Daenerys and and John and all that. Like, I remember having this theory back in like when I was watching season one because that would be really cool. And then obviously they could rule in some way, right? But it that might be t- it might be too um, like predestined for George R. R. Martin. It seems that he really just writes like everything happens not for a reason; it just happens. Just because it does. But, yeah, right. but at the same time, I still think it would be like, really neat to finish with that that sort of parallel. Before before we move on, I do want to make one point that's going to make us all feel really depressed. Um, oh, no. And we we can talk about all of this. We can have a, a lengthy discussion about who's going to do what in the throne. Whether you know Baelish is blah blah blah. Whether Varys is blah blah blah. Like we can say all these things, and we can we can predict, and we can think, and we can hope someone's going to take the role. But we all are ignoring one impenetrable truth which is not a joke a winner is coming and b when it does come it's gonna i mean some shit is gonna go down and probably none of that will matter you know what i'm saying some shit Very is going serious to go down business yeah you know what i'm saying some like snow is gonna fall yeah have you seen the <laughs> white walkers are gonna please blow read through. the first chapter of game of thrones guys listening to the show if you have not read and if you've just watched the show read the first chapter of game of thrones and then ask yourself when a winner comes Will you give a damn who the king is? You know what I mean? The White Walker is going to sit the throne in the end. Right? Wow. You'd think they have like some kind of grudge, like as if they've been, you know, kind of like... It's cold as hell, dude. Have you, <laughs> have you seen the Red Keep? This place is nice as shit. Awesome. So moving on, let's, uh, let's talk about season two just a little bit, because you said next week it airs. Um, so sort of, to wrap up, sort of to wrap up this show, what um, have you guys, obviously we're all excited for season two. Um, what specifically, if there's you know, been a promo that stuck out or, you know, or stuck on a, a spike as, as uh, <laughs> one of them was, <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you guys think of uh, the episode? It's going to be bigger and better than blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Is that a quote? That's what they say the in actress. all the promos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to blood violence. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see you know things unfold. Um, as Selena had said earlier, kind of all hell broke loose last season, and we're still reeling from the fact that Ned Stark was decapitated. I mean, really, that only happened two episodes ago. So I think we're going to be seeing yeah. a lot more of uh, a lot, and I'm worse coming. I'm- yeah. I'm so excited for some of these new characters, um, like yeah. Brienne and um, Yara Greyjoy, and all of these. Like, oh. and Rhaenyra's. So, so now, am I wrong in thinking that if they weren't introduced in season one, they don't matter as much to the plot? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you're wrong. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm wrong. excited yeah. to see. I'm excited to see Theon take a stronger position. Actually, uh, as far as the website goes, we're uh, launching new layouts today. Actually. We're talking. We're recording the show now, and the show will probably go up tomorrow. But um, we've got new layouts featuring some of these people that you just talked about, um, Selena. So 
people will be able to kind of play around with those things. But we want to keep it, you know, we want to make let people know that yes, season two is coming, much like winter, and these new characters are. Um, I like I like the wall one still. Yeah, the wall's pretty cool. It's a big one. It's a big place. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering why they did, thought that we couldn't tell the difference between Asha Greyjoy and Osha. I know. And they I, changed I was thinking about this. Yeah. It just Why? doesn't make any sense, especially when you think about Asha in the series. Like, she has a really small role compared to Asha, so it just it doesn't make sense. And like, it's kind of like if you took, like make another Harry Potter comparison. It's kind of like if um, there had been a character early on in the series called Lena, and then by the fifth movie they decided that that was too close to Luna, so they changed that name. You know? Well. Keep in mind, guys, they're making a show for people, and they're not everyone's going to be diehard fans making a podcast. Like you know, that. to be honest, that's still, Asha and Asha. Asha and Asha. Well, I actually, yeah. to be honest, there are plenty of characters that I just don't know their names because I'll watch them on the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll know. No, it's too much to keep track of. Like, even even for me, like, that's why reading, I, I don't think, you know, would work for me just because there is so much to keep track of. But like watching them, I can put a face to not the name, but like to, to their actions, to who they are, to what they're about. And that helps me to, to Eric, make through. Eric can keep track oh, of his shamrock shakes, but not character yeah. names. Yeah, yeah. I'm on How 12. How many did you have? Oh, God. Yeah. Liz. But uh, yeah, Eric, I think a lot of these characters, though, you're going to see moving forward, like they get their own story. And so... I don't know. Maybe you want to uh, try to find a way to know who yeah. they are. I yeah, <laughs> I guess if they're well, if they're royalty or if they're not. I guess my point is, by this point, they've had uh, you know alliances have been formed. We know the alliance of pretty much everybody on the show, so it's interesting to see people come in because I feel like we've met you know the hand of the king. We've met the people. They in, shift really in power. quickly, though. I would yeah, I wouldn't say you know the alliances because it's like Survivor, man. Shit just moves yeah. around. Yeah. But, well, I, I, yeah, I just got the feeling that the major players were all assembled, you know, in, in, in a way, like even even the dog, you know, like learning about those even minor <laughs> characters. Like, I really enjoyed that. But I, I, I don't know, I'm excited to to take on the new characters. I also want to know if, if there's like one character arc you guys are looking forward to in season two, we should say that real quick. Mine is Tywin Lannister, um, you know, played by the great uh, British actor Charles Dance. And we just did not see enough of him in season one. Obviously, everybody was talking about Tywin Lannister, how evil he was. Um, but when we finally got to see him, and I, I thought it was you know, great scene between him and Tyrion um, in the tent. But just in general, I, I look forward to seeing what he does uh, about it all. He's got this outrageous mm-hmm. sense of honor, and he's he was obviously a big player in the, in the events of the past. So. I just wanted to say really quickly, um, I'm really looking forward to it. And the, reading the book, she's probably the, the one I enjoy reading about the most because she has a really, really intense and interesting story. Right. And I'm also really excited for Jamie Lannister because they're going to bring in some things from his story from, um, I guess, A Storm of Swords because he hardly features in the book. Oh, um, but he's oh, still going right. to be like a main player in in the second series. So I'm really curious how they're going to sort of advance his story early. I like that actor too, um, Nikolaj Castro. Nikolaj Castaveldau. It's funny because I just butchered his name, and she just like so perfectly <laughs> said his name. Yes, he he did a. The only thing I know him from is a short-lived ABC <laughs> series called New Amsterdam. Um, that he was on, but he he was awesome. Love that guy. Um, I'm trying to think character wise. I, I like uh, the Lord Davos. He has a kind of a cool storyline. Uh, he's a new character, um, and then Theon Greyjoy. I mean, his story really takes a turn in this next series, and it kind of builds out moving forward. And he just has like this really twisted storyline coming up. So twisted. I'm interested to see how that works. I'm. I'm going to echo you. I would also agree that I'm really looking forward to Theon's. And I, like I said, I haven't read the books forward, but I'm very familiar with the storylines in them. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to Theon growing as a character. And also, uh, obviously, seeing how um, Tyrion performs at the Capitol. Oh, I, I'm going to have to agree with Selena. Um, just from reading, I'm halfway through the second book right now. Um, and I, I'm intrigued by Arya's storyline. I mean, well, it, it's not anything that we that we've come to expect. I mean, she kind of was left um, as this character that was that had this unknown 
uh, variable. She was traveling with these people back up to Winterfell, uh, and nobody knew who she was. And she's supposedly she's a boy, and you know, and and she's trying to hide all that. At the same time, she's trying to keep her emotions in check and things like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out on the screen. Well, uh, yeah, just to wrap up, we do have titles for uh, a couple of episodes in season. Um, I just wonder what you guys' thoughts were this. Because the title of the episodes, it's kind of like a geek thing, um, you know, or people with the series on DVD, you know, to pay attention to the title of, of each episode. You know, used, that alone has come a long way naming episodes, but we do know that they have some kind of bearing on on the plot. So, uh, the title episodes we have for episode two or season two are "The North Remembers," "The Night Lands," "What Is Dead May Never Die," "Garden of Bones," and "The Ghost of Harren Hall." Oh gosh! Oh, I love that last one. Mm, yeah. Sounds like something from Skyrim. Mm. So the <laughs> the Nightlands. Do have we been? Introduced to the Nightlands before? Is that? I mean, I have a view. An undisclosed. I, you know what? When I when I read that, first of all, I thought it was the Nightlands, so that the <laughs> night is landing. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's, it's up in the sky, and then it. <laughs> well, yeah. we're we're fast forwarding. <laughs> sky falling. There's one I'm really looking forward to, and I guess it was kind of an unofficial title, uh, but I know that George R. R. Martin wrote it, and I think it's called the the Battle for Blackwater Bay. Ooh, right. Kind of, and that doesn't right. give anything away. I mean, it, but it's just sort of yeah. the epic the, the battle. The episode is, is just called Blackwater, I think. Over the past several months, we've been keeping up with the, the HBO blog that Kat Taylor has been handling. And she's on set working with all those awesome people making the show. And um, we've actually seen a lot of really cool um, photos. And by a lot, I mean like one or two really awesome ones from that battle. And we'll be sure to link those up in the show notes as well. Um, those are super, super awesome. Yeah, but to say we do have a uh, a whole fleshed out website, plenty of layouts to choose from, and more up and coming for the upcoming characters of season two. It's at gameofowns dot com. It's uh, g a m e o f o w n s dot com. Yeah. We do want to thank you for listening to this first episode from all of us here. Um, we will be, uh, you know, moving forward with uh, you know, episode discussions as well as some theories and things like that. Uh, sort of in the hiatus times, times of. I'm Selena from uh, Hypable.com, which is a general entertainment site that brings you not only Game of Thrones news, but also Harry Potter and Twilight, The Hunger Games, um, Once Upon a Time, Vampire Diaries, all those kinds of things. But, yeah. Cool. The, the site is definitely worth the hype. I love reading that website. <laughs> Yay. Thanks. I love you guys. I just love the Game of Thrones names. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm Zach Louie. My voice can be heard at another podcast called This is obviously our first go at Game of Owns, and the show will grow as the, the TV show grows and as uh, our panel becomes closer together and we form some kind of brotherhood, much like a Kalasar and Blood Brothers, and the show will wow. obviously grow that with that. was a deep reference there. You like that? It was good. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, but yeah, um, my other podcast edition, you guys might have a lot of fun with it. I do sometimes, uh, as in every, every week. Um, you can find my other stuff at ZachLouie.com, where I... Uh, work actually this uh this isn't work this is just play and fun with my friends um but yeah i hope you guys like game of owns in the show i'm mike attenemel i'm not sure how to follow that but uh yeah no i mean from gameofowns.com i guess that's the best way to do it cool hodor hodor <laughs> from hodor.com and i'm terrence Does that Pink- exist? Not yet. Hodor.com. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. Hodor.com. Looking it up now. No. Oh, Cheryl Hodor. Oh, it's someone. Damn we it. should. Uh, we should. Wouldn't it be funny to create to go on like those Match.com and make profiles as Hodor? All right. Let's at least let's at least link Cheryl's website website in the show notes. What do you guys say? At least. Yeah. Sure. Why not? She all deserves. Right. And I'm Terrence Pinkston from uh, Hogwarts Radio, Abandon All Hope, and the Movie Goers. Go ahead and check me out at TerrencePinkston.com. Mm. And once again, your host for this episode, although perhaps not every episode, will be me and myself, uh, Eric Skull, patent pending, uh, website pending. <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Spielerman. Um, and I look very forward to season two of Game of Thrones on oh, HBO. you can find me on Twitter Ooh. <laughs> oh. as well. Is that I so? I didn't say this before. At Selena Wilkin. That's S-E-L-I-N-A-W-I-L-K-E-N. And there's Wilkin. your shameless plug. <laughs> nice. Okay. Anybody else on Twitters they need to get out there? My Twitter's online. You guys can find it yeah. if you look hard enough. I only I only said that because my personal site is 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 down at the moment. 
Um, okay, guys. Well, if that's everything, then uh, wait. Do you hear that, Eric? Do you hear that right? Now? What? That's that's the closing music. I, I right hear now. winter. I hear winter coming. <laughs> do you hear that closing music? <laughs> <laughs> so our next episode will be airing at some point between the two before the second one airs. Think for sure we'll right. have all the updates in terms of uh you know upcoming episodes when to look for us on your itunes feed um all of that will be found at the website once again gameofowns.com uh, and we really look forward to meeting some of you guys on the uh we'll establish some forums and stuff for the podcast and uh, we just want to thank you for listening to this our first episode of game of owns so thanks again and we'll see you guys next time Bye-bye. Peace, peace love and hope Ha, 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 ha.